Today is Monday, July 10th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Thousands of baptism in a massive event. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. And you can email us as well. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're getting through the news of the cray each and every weekday morning at 7 a.m. And we are ready to get this week going. Joining me now, Billy Hallowell. Billy, are we caffeinated and contented? What's going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm one cup in and <laughs> there I'm we ready go. to roll. Yes, and we, we need it. It's a big week. A lot going on. Um, the BBC... On the main thing today, Chris Mitchell is going to be taking a look at this incredibly biased statement about Israel and killing children. The details on this are going to blow your mind, but uh, we have that coming up on the main thing. What do we have coming up on the focus? Yeah, this is a bizarre story. It's about two students out in California who were allegedly uh, suspended for misgendering. So we'll get into that story. Goodness, man. I mean, there's no shortage of those types of stories. It's It's crazy. It is crazy, but we're going to get, get all the details there and more coming up. But first, the news in 90 seconds. And following last week's SoCal Harvest Crusade, where 32,000 people gathered and 6,700 people made decisions to dedicate their lives to Christ, Pastor Greg Laurie held a massive baptism event this weekend at Pirate's Cove in California. And just last month, about 4,100 people attended, attended a, a Pirate's Cove beach for what was labeled one of the largest water baptisms in history. But Saturday, there were about 4,500 people baptized into the Christian faith. And the details on that are over at CBNNews.com. Incredible event there. And at least one New Yorker was killed Sunday night when a tidal wave like floodwaters swept her away in a devastating rainstorm that pummeled parts of the Hudson Valley and wreaked havoc on roads and homes across the region. Governor Kathy Hochul declared a state of emergency, and she said the water, the amount of water is extraordinary, and it's still a very dangerous situation, noting that at least one house was swept away, and she warned it was going to be a rough night. And China expands its influence into the U.S., uh, with a planned military training facility in Cuba. You can read about that and more over at CBNNews.com. And Billy, uh, this story here from the SoCal Harvest Crusade and then now these Pirates Cove um, events, man, it's incredible to see this many people surging and having a desire to get baptized. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes down to that Jesus Revolution movie, right? I think people saw this as an area where there's history, where people are, are getting baptized. and But even with that, to see thousands of people show up, I mean, we've interviewed the people who orchestrated that first one, um, you know, about a month or two ago, where you had 4,100 people get baptized. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, that was the largest baptism in U.S. history, if not world history. Now, an even bigger one happening I mean, something seems to really be going on culturally, even though the culture is falling apart, there's all this chaos, there seems to be sort of a spiritual revolution breaking down at the same time. Yeah, it makes you wonder that are the headlines all just because I mean, we've seen the stories, right? We've seen the numbers that, that the amount of people walking away from the faith is growing. And, and those can be true at the same time as you have people coming to the faith, right? <laughs> so 
Uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic, and it makes you wonder: Does the media just feast on negative news stories, and so therefore our perception is negative, and we're kind of missing out on God moving? And and maybe this is one of those times where God's like, "All right, I'm going to show you that no, it's not all people just turning into atheism here." Yeah, or, or yeah, and I agree 100. percent Is there also this spiritual element of it that yeah, things are falling apart. It's bad. It's the numbers are all true. It's all horrible. But you know, God's going to show His face in the middle of all that, right? Like yeah. you're going to have this these crises break down, but yet more and more people. I mean, you can get to a whole you know eschatological conversation about it, but more <laughs> and more people are going to find are going to find Jesus in the midst of that, right? So yeah. it's like it isn't it isn't all bad. I mean, this is cr- it's crazy that forty five hundred people. Keep in mind that Pirates Cove is a very difficult area to get to, right? And so you're not. It's not as though you can just like walk onto this beach. It takes hours, and apparently they had like 20,000 people show up. So mm. it wasn't just the 4,500 who were there. So yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, that is really incredible. And, um, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast, but as Christians, we know that you can't fill that God-sized hole with other things. You can't place your identity in something else. And I think a nation right now that's obsessed with identity I mean, maybe you're just seeing more people realize that the identity, when you pick that other thing, whether it's gender or sex identity or whatever the case might be, maybe they're realizing that, hey, this this isn't it, <laughs> you know? And yeah. and yeah. you realize it's at that moment where you're just, God opens your eyes and you're like, oh, that's it. That's it. There's no other way uh, to fill this. And so it's, so it's great to see. It is great to see that. And um, I know you're trying to catch up with Greg, so hopefully we'll we'll be able to get him on the podcast this week. Yeah, I think maybe even tomorrow. All right, we'll look forward to that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to move on over to the focus story now. And speaking of those stories about people trying to find their identity and um, just over fixating on that aspect of things, I mean, we've got a story here from a California school district allegedly suspending two high school students for misgendering. So what's the story here? Yeah, this one is complicated for a variety of reasons, but these two students, and this apparently happened last year. We're just sort of finding out about it now. And you have to be careful. I wanna I wanna just say this before we get into it. You know, you're you're often basing these stories on an email that leaked and you don't have the full context of the email, but there's an email and it surrounds the former principal of Herbert Hoover High School out in Glendale, California. This is part of the Glendale, Glendale Unified School District. Um, apparently what happened here was that these two students misgendered, which means using the wrong gender. If somebody identifies as one gender, you use the wrong gender. Um, And some of the reports are saying it was a teacher uh, that was misgendered. Others are saying it was a fellow peer. It does appear to be when you read the email, it does look like it was a teacher who was misgendered. And so some of those details, again, unclear. But apparently in this email, the principal is saying that uh, these students kind of walked into a classroom misgendered and then when the teacher tried to correct them ran away Um, so that's that's the claim based on this paragraph in this principal's email but then there's a part of the email that reads I asked my teacher how he wanted to handle it if he wanted me to just teach them about misgendering or would like me to speak about being trans he asked me to educate on transgender it was well received from students and parents and so that's part of the message there Um, and you know obviously it's sparking quite a bit of response. Yeah. 
I mean, look, if you got sent to the office over stuff like that, when, when I was in high school, there would have been, I think more kids would have been in the office uh, than in, in the classroom. But uh, how, how are the how are the parents responding here in this situation? Well, and I should also mention before I get into the response here that, you know, th- this email also says that RJ, that's the acronym that's used, will happen after suspension. And RJ is restorative justice. That's apparently what it stands for, mm. according to one of the activist groups here. Um, there's a local activist group out there that that's kind of been, it's called GUSD Parents Voices, and they've been sounding the alarm on this stuff. And restorative justice, you know, we won't spend too much time on that, but that's apparently this process of trying to heal, right? So if you do something wrong to somebody else, you know, you're going to go through almost what critics would call re-education, right? We're yes. going to make sure that you yeah. you get this wrong. This thing that you did, we're going to make sure you get it right, rather. Um, and so, obviously, a lot of critics speaking out on social media. One person tweeted, I'm glad I don't live in California. And another <laughs> person wrote, <laughs> wrote, yeah, and this is the more serious one. My kid would not be attending RJ education. It would not be back in school. Yeah. You know, so, I think people obviously alarmed by this, you know, incident. Yeah, indeed. And look, People have hijacked, activists have hijacked the justice slogan here and the moniker. So it's it's tough because you're you're automatically attaching a heavy dose of skepticism next to something when you say something like restorative justice, because you just assume it's these activists that are going to do exactly what you said to quote unquote re-educate you. And it's really just them pushing their point of view, right? And so it's uh it's 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 a tough pill for a lot of these parents to swallow. Well, yeah, and let's let's deal with something here. If two students walked into a classroom and started mocking some a teacher, right? Yeah, that we we can have this debate all day long. We don't know exactly what happened here, right? Now they ran away, according to this report. That would be mocking, making fun of somebody. There might be some sort of punishment for that on any issue, right? You might say, okay, you're disrespecting the teacher, right? Outside of the outside of the transgender issue, right? So. That's one thing, but I do think this RJ, you know, this claim that RJ will happen after suspension. So now we've we've purportedly suspended these two students, and now we're going to do – that's where the concern comes in for people, right? As mm-hmm. you were just saying, yeah, one worldview. You know, somebody insults a Christian student and says, I don't believe in God. God is – you know, doesn't exist and goes after them. Are they going to go to restorative justice? Right. Yeah, right? Is that, is no that RJ going to there. happen? No, I don't think there's right, going to be right. any RJ in that situation most likely. So, all right. How how is the district responding for this? Yeah, th- this is interesting. So I haven't seen anything where the district has confirmed all of these details. But what the what a spokesperson told Fox News and some other outlets was that you know quote a student has never been punished, much less suspended for accidentally using the wrong pronoun to refer to a peer or staff member. However, a student could be suspended if the action escalated to harassment or bullying. And yeah, so that's an interesting response, right? Because what, and I think the problem, and we're seeing this again and again here, harassment and bullying are bad and they should be punished regardless of what the issue is. But the question is, what is harassment and bullying when it comes to this particular issue? We don't know because we don't have the context on these students, so we can't sit here and defend them. I and mean, that's not our job. But I do think a- asking those questions and and also understanding that people are losing jobs and being punished for things that are very, not necessarily in this district, but in general, yeah. very much not harassment or bullying. Yeah, right. It's it's one of these issues that's rising to that level of ludicrous, <laughs> but but people's lives are being affected by this, and um, this is another example of that. So, 
Appreciate you bringing that one to us today, Billy. We're going to move over to the main thing now. And former Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett went on BBC, was talking about Israel's um, effort to fight terrorism. And he was explaining the things that they were doing and the actions they, that they were taking. And during that interview, uh, one of the BBC presenters there argued that at least four terrorists who were killed in the operation were under the age of 18 and made the statement that not terrorists, but children. The Israeli forces are happy to kill children. Bennett went on to point out that these quote-unquote children were armed terrorists fighting the IDF. The statement itself went viral and was seen by many as one of the more egregious examples of the BBC and mainstream media bias against Israel. Well, CBN's Chris Mitchell has the details on that for today's Main Thing. Gil Huffman with uh, Honest Reporting. Thanks for joining us. Tell us your reaction to the interview recently between the BBC presenter and former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. Naftali Bennett uh, is just the tip of the iceberg. He went through a, a situation both on the BBC and on CNN where he was uh, asked uh, about the idea of being happy to kill children. And, and that's just an abhorrent question. Uh, the IDF does more to avoid civilian deaths than any army in the history of mankind on this earth. That's a quote from uh, Colonel Kemp of the British forces in Afghanistan. And uh, whenever there are terrorists that surround themselves with children as human shields, they, they call off the attack even in midair. And so that was just such a preposterous allegation, especially during an operation in which there were how many civilian deaths, Chris? Zero. Hmm. The BBC did apologize. What do you think of their apology? I found their apology to be rather pathetic. Um, so they admitted that the tone was diff was not ex as good as it could have been, they said. Uh, but no, th this woman, uh, this anchor who has done this before, we found statements that she made similar in the past. She should not be anchoring anymore, She's certainly not dealing with uh, reporting and anchoring on life and death issues. She should be going back to her old job of covering sports. This isn't for her. Honest reporting uh, covers the media all the time. Uh, we've seen this in the BBC and, you, as you said, CNN. What does this say about the, uh, the, the media as it relates and reports on Israel? So, Chris, the, the media reporting inaccurately about Israel isn't just something to be a annoyed by like we are if our sports team uh, gets poor coverage by uh, the uh, commentator in the game. This is life or death. We saw during the month of Ramadan that there were inaccurate reports about what happened in uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque on the Temple Mount, uh, that the police went in to stop rioters from harming worshipers. They were then attacked by the rioters and uh, when they fought back, they took uh, YouTube videos that made it look like it was the IDF attacking these rioters. And, of course, the headlines around the world were uh, Israeli police attack worshipers in mosque. And that was the exact opposite of the truth. But that false reporting was used as an excuse to fire rockets at Israelis from Syria, Lebanon and Gaza to attack an Italian tourist on a beach in Tel Aviv. Uh, who was murdered for the crime of looking Jewish, and also the D family on their way to Tiberias for a vacation. 
And uh, the way that then was covered was uh, as if they were murdered again, uh, settlers killed in, in occupied territory. So uh, it's more important than ever that we get the best coverage possible of Israel to save lives. And that's what honest reporting does in monitoring the media and uh, making sure that the coverage improves. Yeah. And uh, during that, uh, the reporting of uh, Rabbi D and his family, uh, I think uh, famously Christian Amapur said they were killed in a shootout as opposed to uh, killed by terrorists. Uh, they were just randomly chosen that, that, that vehicle. Uh, just tell us a little more, expound a little bit about more what honest reporting does. So uh, that's the perfect example what you mentioned with Amanpour, because uh, our team, uh, they look for videos of uh, journalists getting things wrong, articles that have factual errors. And uh, they found Christian Amanpour, those eight seconds, and uh, we put it on social media. It went viral around the world. A million people had seen it within a few days. And then we led a pressure campaign to get her to apologize. She thought it would be okay to just apologize privately to Rabbi D. And uh, we continued the campaign until she apologized publicly. And so we find uh, mistakes every day that we get corrected. And we've gotten six anti-Semitic Hitler and Hamas praising journalists fired around the world over the past 11 months. And uh, we depend, though, on people around the world who are, are watching TV and, and reading articles to send it to action at honestreporting.com. Tell us when they find things that are problematic, because we're just a small staff of three writers and one social media person. Uh, follow us on social media. We're on every social media platform. And uh, contribute also, if you can, uh, to uh, helping Israel win the war on the media battlefield. Well, Gil Hoffman from Honest Reporting, thanks for joining us on CBN News. Pleasure. Thank you, Chris. All right, Chris, appreciate you breaking that one down for us on the podcast today. Always Always interesting to see uh, how the media is covering covering Israel because uh, they don't always seem to get the the fairest shake uh, oftentimes from uh, many outlets around the country, including the BBC. So appreciate that, and that's going to leave us with time for one last thing. Yeah, I think you know we often hear about the power of actions over words, and when you look at First John three eighteen, it's implicit in this verse, which reads, "Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth." And that's a that's a powerful world word for today's culture. Yeah, it sure is, and I mean, I think it's a reminder. Like, it's it's good to share the gospel. It is good to say these things, but if it's if it's not accompanied by something, right? It's it's very powerful to be helping to be doing to be loving on people and those actions speak just as loudly if not more than um, just the words themselves so appreciate that verse absolutely on this monday edition of the podcast lord willing and that creek don't rise we shall return with more tomorrow god bless see you then